Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday. It's week five. One more game before the bye week. The Texans hope to head into it with a win. Welcome in. Mark Vandermeer once again. Drew Doherty joining me as we try to get things right with another AFC South Division rival. So maybe this will be a, a good get right game. It should be. It has been for the last decade. Think about it. Last game of the 2010 season, you beat the Jaguars. You win every single game against them except for the 2-13 and 13 and the 2-17 and 17 since. Think about wow. that. Wow. Four oh, games yeah. since the end of the 2010 so season against those, those That's guys. That's a really interesting way to put it. That last game in 2010 was to go to 6-10, and 10, and that was the Gary Kubiak's going to remain the coach of this football team, and guess what? Wade Phillips is going to be the defensive coordinator because Bum Phillips showed up at practice that week with Dan Pastorini. I'll never forget that prior to that season-ending mm -hmm. game. So you're telling me the Jags have beaten the Texans four times since then. Since then. And the Texans have won every other matchup, and there was a sweep in 2013 and 2017. Interesting. Well, this is tough, though. They're a lot better. Yeah. We all know this. I saw parts of the game last week. Obviously, the Texans were playing at the time when the Jags took on Philadelphia, but that was a turnover fest for Jacksonville. You cannot count on that, but I would love another one for them this Sunday. Four fumbles? By the way, it's Mark's birthday and my birthday. Would you like four fumbles for Sunday? Happy birthday. Yes, thanks. Thank uh, can I ask for something more specific <laughs> than that? Can, okay, let's say you can. What, what did Johnny say on the Monday? It's an either Monday or. Show? Tied at 830 remaining in the game or down by three. Four fumbles mm -hmm. by Jacksonville or. I'll take the four fumbles over that. You'll take four fumbles Yeah, because over the that? Texans have been within three or had the lead with 830 to go in the game. Every one of these games, right? And Johnny researched that. If you say, would you rather have that this Sunday or four fumbles from Trevor Lawrence? You didn't let me Oh, sorry. Go ahead. All right. Or 100 yards rushing. Oh, well, you got that fumbles. last weekend. Four fumbles. <laughs> it's like four fumbles. Yeah. Four fumbles. <laughs> I thought I'm, that would entice you. We haven't gotten 100 yards I rushing. got 130 out of Pierce this last weekend, and it did not get the team over That's the top. That's true. It usually does do the trick. What if it's 100? What if I make it 200? 200, sure. I'll, yeah, take two, that. I'll take 200. 200 yards rushing. I might still take the four fumbles, DB. I think 200. <laughs> I was trying puts, to give you options of things that happened on Sunday that you could have again. Which the Bears had 281 and almost lost to the Texans. So I don't know. I feel better about four fumbles. But then again, I, I, I agree with the you. The Texans got five out. takeaways against the Buccaneers a couple years ago, <laughs> and that came down to the final minute. Like you should have blown those guys out of the water. The Dolphins last year on the road. One team had five and one team had four turnovers. I that think there were nine right, turnovers. Right. I think the Texans actually had fewer turnovers than the Dolphins mm -hmm. and still lost. I, okay. I, I remember the post game very uh, vaguely. I've totally yes. blocked it out of my mind. Now I got to look that's that good, up. That's good. That's good. Bleak now, moments now in Texans history brought to you by. Well, the show often morphs into, into that. Totally and different. it just doesn't feel right. Uh. Well, it's like our conversation with MJ Stewart. We started off talking about special teams, which mm -hmm. I'm sure we're going to get to in this hour. But then somehow we got into flipping homes because that's his oh, I hobby that. in the offseason. And that I'm like, was I could, we could have talked about that for another hour. But anyway, we do have some hot reads. So let's get it back on track, get into some hot reads. Saw the reports earlier today. Texans releasing tight end Farrell Brown. His time as a Texan looks like it's coming to an end. He caught seven passes for 72 yards this year, averaging 10.3 yards per catch. But he was inactive for week four. He was dealing with hip and shoulder injury. He was sort of questionable heading into the game. He was limited in practice, but signed with the Texans in 2020 around week three mm -hmm. at Pittsburgh. Really had a great season, caught two touchdowns, 
t- passes that season, and then last year was your starting tight end. But, you know, the Texans decided to part ways in a year where you thought tight ends were going to be a big part of it, especially with how banged, banged up this group was in camp. That's the big thing. You know, what happens at the tight end position now? Who's going to be the most effective blocker of the bunch? Who maybe collectively will block well for you. Farrell Brown was supposed to be able to do that and catch the football well. He made some plays for this team, no doubt about it. But it's been an interesting position when you have two guys who weren't in training camp with you who are contributing in O.J. Howard and Jordan Akins. At least Akins knows his way around the building. Not the offense necessarily, although he's fitting in pretty well so far. I'm so glad they were able to snatch him up because he's a former Texan and a current Texan. And we'll see where it takes you from here. Clearly, this position group is not working out the way you drew it up. And Tegan Cotoriano, his injury is playing into this, all right? Maybe he's ready to come back. That'd be great. But it's got to happen with him at some point this season so you can see what you got with that draft choice. You really haven't had an overly productive player at the position since Owen Daniels left. Ryan Griffin hung around. He was a solid two or three. But you've just not had a stud. I mean, not a- I know Darren Fells had the one season where he caught all those touchdowns, but that was kind of all he caught, and you really haven't had the consistency at a high, high level like you did with Owen Davis. I have Brock Osweiler on the phone, and he disagrees because the most production for the tight end position group was in 2016 when Griffin and Fedorowicz were leading the charge, right? right? And Steven Anderson was the other. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, under John Perry, that was a very productive year for the tight ends. Yeah, I think had Fedorowicz stayed healthy, he's not Owen Daniels. He's a different kind of player. He's more of a blocker who can catch the ball. Daniels can do a little bit of everything and obviously a great receiver, the best receiving tight end in the history of this franchise. Oh, Billy Miller's on the phone now and would like to talk. Now, Billy would know. know. I said since (laughs) Owen Daniels. Yeah, I I know. No, no, Billy Billy would admit that OD's better, but Billy was pretty good for this team. Leading receiver in year one. I was going to say, though, you you mentioned blocking tight ends on that 75-yard touchdown run by Damian Pierce. O.J. Howard had a nice block. Yes, he did. It was like Troy Hairston and then O.J. Howard immediately after that. So. And Cooks. That was a total team effort, by the way. Total team effort. Sometimes guys say that, and it's not really a total team effort. That was a total team effort. It was gorgeous. Give Pierce all the credit in the world for being able to do that. of course. Mm -hmm. His ability. Because when he got through that hole and got to the sideline, I thought, well, now someone's going to run him down because that took a lot to get there. And he went full throttle, and it was awesome. And to Pierce's credit, in the after, in the postgame, he was, the first thing he said was, he pointed out the guys that blocked for him. So he, he was happy he got the score and loved it, but... He said it couldn't happen without them, and it was it was you know, the proper protocol. It was He's, great, yeah. He's but everybody, the best. Listen, even Cooks, shielding down the sideline the whole way, <laughs> didn't need to deplete. He just shielded, kept the guy yeah. from tackling him. I yeah. love how everybody just comes together for. Mm-hmm. I think I think Damian and you know Cooks was on the Monday show with you and Johnny, and yep. I just loved what he said about how. When he sees a guy like Damian Pierce in the hallway, he just smiles because he's just so happy and he's full of joy all the time. And I feel like that's how everybody plays for him on the field as well. Like, you just see everybody putting forth that effort. And it's interesting to see how someone's charisma and personality can play into everyone else playing at a higher level. And even after that play, I think it was right after that play, it felt like something had shifted on the field. You know, you talk about big plays in Texans history. I felt like... The offense, the defense, of course, everybody, it started coming together. And, and Cook said it in the press conference after the game. I asked him if, if something felt different after that. And he said, absolutely. That absolutely changed the momentum for the team. It changed my feeling. Sure. Like, we all felt it after yeah. that play. The whole but- building. It was a quad shot of espresso. That run, all of a sudden, wait a minute. 
And, you know, I was, I was thinking, well, you're still down 14, but you just feel like everybody woke up. That just put right. a jolt just through everybody. everybody. Yeah, because you might not be down 14 if a player two like that happens again. And yeah. he gives you that that promise, that hope. That's more of the reason why people get so frustrated that he's not out there more. And I think I think you're going to see him out there more. I love Pierce saying that in practice it wasn't clicking. It really wasn't going well in practice, that play. And I'm thinking, geez. Oh, interesting. How did they feel calling that <laughs> thing? But I think they felt like, all right, we're going to get seven, eight yards out of this thing at least, right? Which is nice, okay? And his average was outstanding on Sunday. But if you take out that run, he still averaged over four yards per carry. Even taking out the 75-yard run, over four yards per carry. Which you which didn't get last year here. You did not get that last year. And I was looking at the rushing stats. We all thought if the Texans can get up to 21, 22 in the league, that's going to be enough. I was looking at some of the numbers for this team. They're not dead last in things like you would think. They're not exactly setting the world on fire either. I get it. But they're they're creeping up into the upper 20s in some key categories, but not winning these games yeah. because of what we said. You're not closing the deal. Eight and a half minutes to go. You're either within three or you have the lead, but they're not closing. And what is important in sales? Closing. Coffee is for closers. Or as Alec Baldwin said <laughs> in Glen Gary, Glenn Ross, ABC always be closing. They're not doing it yet. All right. I saw this stat uh, on Twitter that uh, Damian Pierce has more rushing yards. He has 313 so far this season than, and I'm assuming it's through this point in their careers, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, James Robinson, Joe Mixon. I think it's in the... It's, is this on the year? This might be on the year. On the years. On the oh, season. Oh, this year. Yeah. yeah. So far. Okay, Henry I'm, just had his first 100-yard game. He's okay, off to a I bit of a that, slow start for him. Okay, I read that as through this point in the season, those guys as rookies, he's got more. But that makes sense. I've seen stuff saying. like that, too. Well, it was I, NFL Rookie Watch that tweeted it, so I would think they were comparing rookies to rookies, not They actual. should be more specific. they got to be specific in their tweets. Yes. I okay. think they should be. We can but I'm looking at it right here. Let's see. Yeah. Who'd you name again? Go ahead. Derrick Henry. Yes. Dalvin Cook. Yeah, more than Henry. More Christian than Cook. McCaffrey. Yep. DeAndre Swift. Uh, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. Yep. Leonard Fournette. Yep. James Robinson. Yep. Joe Mixon. Gosh, hard to believe Fournette. I feel like Fournette well, he, has run for 1,000 yards already. <laughs> He's all they have because Brady is getting old and getting something else, we should say. Uh, Drew texted me this news about Brady getting a divorce. I don't know why he thought I would be entertained by it, but I... <laughs> I guess I'm the Kelly Kapoor of the office. I'm surprised you didn't text it to all of us I, I, first. I that's, was disappointed you saw it. sort of why I sent it, yeah. Well, I love me some pop And I know we're all over the place here, but, you know, it's the 7 o'clock hour on a Tuesday, so what <laughs> the what heck. Happens, yeah. Uh, yeah, this story, I noticed PFT, Pro Football Talk, you know, they tweet out all their stories, right? They tweeted this out, which I'm sure some people feel like, that's not that's relevant not football. to football. Yeah, but, of. you know, he does everything anyway, and he loves that when people complain because it's high engagement for his tweets. Mm. This tweet had thousands of reactions to it whereas you know whatever so and so might not be going to london or whatever the other tweets are you know you'd have 20 30 40 50 this thing gets into the thousands because this is intriguing to people this kind of information really is no matter if you're a sports fan celebrity fan whoever you are but i think it is also related to football because of the way tom brady retired and yep. the way that he came back and missed time in camp a lot of people speculated that the reason why he missed time in camp was because he was working on his issues with Giselle. So I think yeah. it is pop culture news, but it does tie into football kind of relevant to this year because a lot of people are saying this might be his last year. But I don't know if he gets divorced. Is it not his last year? Is he like, okay, well, 
now I don't need to go, you know, make things right because things have already gone the wrong direction. I wonder if he regrets coming back for a final season. But there's the whole I'm going to be 46 years old thing, too. And things aren't looking that great on the field right now. No. He can still throw the ball, but they have to play very complete. They have to have everything going much better around him than usual, perhaps, for any kind of Brady team because he can help them overcome their mistakes. As he gets older, he needs them to be more perfect. So we'll see how it goes for the Bucks here. So we started with tight ends, and then we ended with Brady. O.J. Howard was playing with Brady, so we all tied. That it, it, was exactly how he's the connective I issue. planned yeah, Hot we, Reads to go. So we drew it up on the board. Hang on, one more thing about the Brady oh, stuff. Oh, sure. Okay, yes. because this is relevant to football very much so. What did they always say, they meaning the outside media, whatever, about Brady taking less money in New England over the years? Well, his wife makes so much more money <laughs> that it doesn't matter. Well, how does this get mm. impacted here by what they're going through legally? That's just more of an open-ended thing. I'm not saying we're going to discuss it right here, but I'm curious to see how this works out. Is there a prenup? I would be shocked if there isn't. No, I would because be they were shocked both, if they there were both isn't. pretty established. In their exactly. Yeah, she was extremely married. established. Up next on Texans Radio, we'll bring in the Texans Hammers, the legal counsel for the Houston <laughs> Texans, should. Greg Condrits and Sunil Jamal, to <laughs> yes. break down what's next. I'm going to ask Sunil about this afterwards. <laughs> Believe me, you want ratings? We talk divorce <laughs> all <laughs> night. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we are not going to talk divorce in this next hot read. Uh, Texans, they're going to face Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence. There's no easy transition to get back to hot reads now. I really tried to. Lawrence is married, um, right? He is married. <laughs> Didn't Urban Meyer once say something about his bachelor party or something? Oh, and uh, and it he was, was engaged a, for sure. Maybe he got yeah. married in the meantime. But he did throw two touchdowns in one interception and also fumbled four times in Sunday's Yikes. 21-29 to 29 loss at Philly, which was just the grossest-looking rainstorm I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe what? they didn't have any lightning and it didn't get called off. Like, you have to, to have that much rain and no lightning is really something else. But John Grenard talked about today what a challenge that Trevor Lawrence is going to be when this team faces him on Sunday. I think overall he just looks more confident. I think the, he has all the things you want. I mean, he's a 6'5", 6'6", quarterback, tall in the pocket, good old line, um, and obviously good receivers and athletes around him. And I think the scheme fits him. So I think overall he just looks more confident. Um, and that's, that's the thing. We just got to make him feel less confident, obviously, when, we, when we're making our attack to try to get him done. Yeah, and I think that Trevor Lawrence, year two, looks a lot better. The four fumbles aside, Doug Peterson says it's a blip. I ran some Doug Peterson cuts on the Lovey Smith show yesterday, mm. and he just sounds so confident that they're going to be able to play well this year throughout the year. We'll see. I mean, the guy's been there before, and that return trip to Philadelphia had to be tough for him in so many ways. It wasn't that long ago he brought them to a Super Bowl, and I know there has to be a lot of love for him, but the Eagles are off to a tremendous start right now, so there's that. But he probably wanted to get this one behind him and get back into the AFC South. You said confident. I also, and that's a perfect word for it, I'm going to add in competent. After what they saw last year with Urban Meyer, we were bringing up Urban Meyer a moment ago. Like, this guy's he knows what the heck is going on. Yeah. He knows how to organize things. He's, I think he's perfect right now for Trevor Lawrence, and it's no surprise. You're the number one pick in the draft for a reason. He's mm. playing more and more like it. I don't know who could have really succeeded with everything going on last year in Jacksonville, and he's, he's kind of it's coming to the fore now, and you know they're they're looking good. This is not a gimme game like it's been for most of the last decade for no, the Texans. It's not at all. This is 
a chance for them to get revenge on all those losses they've suffered over the years to the Texans, and you better be ready for it. I know what happened last year, but this is a better Jaguar team Absolutely. than last year by yeah. far. And it's not just Lawrence in year two. you got to look at the personnel that they put together. Nick Casario will join us tomorrow night on Texans All Access. Nobody breaks down the opponent like Nick. Nick just details every player, what they're doing, <laughs> oh, where they're yeah. from, name, rank, serial number, DNA code, and he'll get you ready for the game. Yeah, Doug Peterson, he actually got a standing ovation from the Philly fans. Which As he that's should. Really saying, I mean, the, he, there's a statue, the Philly special. Isn't there a statue of him in Philadelphia of Doug Peterson? I think Nicole, so. The, yeah. Like which is way too Why do people do this? Why do they put up statues of people way too soon? It's, it's too a, soon for a statue. I'm not, sorry. It's Sta- to celebrate a Super Bowl, Mark. Statues should go mm-hmm. up sure years later. Doug Peterson. I'm going to check it out now. I'm going to I'm going to fact check this one. Fact DB. check me while I'm while no, I'm but I've been. It. You know, there there are so many statues of people. Uh, there's an RG3 statue at Baylor, right? Mm-hmm. And he deserves one. But I think even he would say, you know, do it a little later. No, it's, no, no, no. He no, won the Heisman. I know. I know he deserves one, Drew. Yeah. I'm saying, and I felt this way when the Longhorns retired Colt McCoy's number or whatever they did. They retired his jersey. Wait. They appreciate it more when they're older and they can go back. And I think the fans, it's nicer for them, too. You don't have to honor somebody instantly. It's like, just add water. We're instantly honoring you. Give it a minute when it means more. Let it breathe a little bit. That's why you wait for Hall of Fame induction. Same kind of thing. That's just my take on it. There is a statue of Doug Peterson. You you make me second-guess myself here. It's right in front of the stadium, Mm. and it's with Nick Foles. That's weird. He's got his headset on. He's got his headset on. So, so the two guys. That's that... <laughs> more of a statue commemorating the play and the moment. The Philly I guess. special it's statue. One of the, yeah, but the great moments in Philadelphia sports history. Right. But if I had yeah. a statue out front here and it was just, oh, that's the time that he said rock and roll for the Andre Johnson <laughs> game. You would love it. Jacksonville <laughs> in 2012 or something. I'd be like, well, that's still pretty cool. I would say, why did you do that? Because I could list a long list of names that would deserve that before me. I think when, fact, you win everybody. A, when you win a Super Bowl, people just have that memory, and they it's nice to solidify it, no matter of who course. was on your squad. So. This is a team. Look, they went there you with Andy Reid. You can always Reed. point to it when you're having a losing season. Like, But remember that? We also did that. Oh, yeah. I, look, exactly. Exactly. It lasts We don't have either years. of those two guys, but we had that. Well, think about the franchises that have won Super Bowls and how long the coach can last and how many, Mm -hmm. you know, how much leeway he gets, how much grace he gets. Not that they've been losing, but when you look at the Ravens and John Harbaugh, they've won one playoff game since 2014. They won the Super Bowl in 2012. You get a lot of Sean runway Payton after the that. Saints after 09. Exactly. Yeah. And he yeah. had three losing seasons in a row mixed in there. A lot of guys would have been whacked. But having had that championship, look, you brought us there. We have faith you could bring us back. And he did bring them back at least to the NFC Championship game and could have, would have, should have at least went to one Super Bowl with that Rams debacle when they didn't get the flag they deserved. But it gives you a lot of grace. And, you know, maybe Peterson should have gotten more in Philadelphia. Maybe he should still be there. In fact, the way it's going in Jacksonville so far, I wish he was still in Philadelphia, (laughs) and I wish Urban Meyer was still in Jacksonville. Well, this is a big week for some players on the Texan squad because it's week five, and players can come off IR, possibly, and it's something that we'll be watching for this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once a player practices, teams have a 21-day window to decide whether or not they want to put them on the active roster or they revert back to IR. So... We'll see tomorrow when the practice report comes out because players in the building today, tomorrow we'll, we'll get to watch a little bit of practice. So the three guys to look for, I wrote a story about this, um, are 
part of it was in my story yesterday about three things from Levy's press conference. Mario Addison, Christian Harris, Tavier Thomas are among the three that I think everyone's sort of looking so at. So defensive end Mario Addison, it sounds like he's probably going to play. He ha- led the Bills in sacks last year. Talked with Jock Cesar a couple weeks ago. He's the defensive line coach. Yeah. Mario Addison's a defensive end, like we mentioned. He uh, he said that guy is speed off the edge, and he said it with a big smile. And then Grenard talked about it today, mm-hmm. saying how much he's picked up from him, just being around him, and what he could bring to the defense. Definitely would not be a nice little shot in the arm for the front seven there. And then we'll see about Christian Harris, the linebacker, the rookie out of Alabama. We'll see about Tavier Thomas, the corner, or defensive back, I suppose, suppose there's to say. Those guys also welcome additions if and when they do come back. It's going to be some roster maneuvering if that happens. So we'll see uh, who is down, up, et cetera, in the week to come. Yeah, because I think with the the tight end situation as well, that your two tight ends that played in Sunday's game, Mason Shrek and Jordan Akins, they reverted back to the practice squad. Mm-hmm. So I'd imagine you'd want to move one of them up. And then you got to make space for for one or two or possibly three other guys to move up to the active roster. And I know, Mark, you mentioned Tegan Quatoriano. I'm not sure what his – Injury is, I remember him just wearing a lot, putting a lot of ice on his leg. He's still alive. I can, I can verify that. He's still that. around, fifth-round yeah. pick for the Texans. I mean, maybe this year's a redshirt year for him. I'm not sure. But I feel like these defensive guys, they could really use one of them, especially this week facing yeah. Jacksonville. Katoriano's got the size. He can catch the ball. We saw it in the preseason. So he can block, catch the ball. But the problem is he's a rookie. So the first mm-hmm. time he gets in there is the first time he gets in there. He has not had the experience of some of the other players. Like, you bring Aikens back. He's played in NFL games. He's made plays. He knows the lay of the land. Got to find a way to get through it at that position group. And we didn't even mention Brevin Jordan. I mean, he's on the active roster, but he's been banged up for the past few weeks That would be nice to get him back. back. Yes, because he can catch. He gives you another receiving option and can complicate things for the defense. So I was looking up the Jaguar stats, their offense, to get – you know, to the point of getting one of these defensive players back on the roster, they average 336 yards per game. 110 yards of that is rushing. And they have, they've been scoring an average of 26.3 points per game. That's tied for six in the NFL. But last week, every other drive of theirs, it seemed like, ended in a takeaway. So even if you put in that Philly game, that's what their offensive stats look like right now, which is a bit alarming. Well, we talked about how uh, Damian Pierce is ahead of James Robinson in the league rushing stats, but it's not by a ton. Robinson has 259 through four games, and they have Travis Etienne there. He's getting the ball a lot, and he's their third down back. So even though he's getting his first NFL action after missing last year with the injury, he's playing for them on third down, getting carries, getting catches. He's got a lot of speed. He's dangerous. So they got a one-two punch there running back that you have to be concerned with. And we all know James Robinson's very capable. Yeah, well, absolutely. All right, well, we're going to talk more about the run game and special teams. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more on Texans All Access. Welcome back, Texans All Access. It's week five. It's Jaguars week. The Texans head to Jacksonville for their second AFC South matchup of the year. We all know how that first one ended. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's it not never, a It tie. never ended. It kind of never ended. <laughs> it kind of never could ended. Could you imagine going 0-0-2 in the AFC no, South? Yeah, oh, it's not going to happen. It does feel like 0-4, but it is nice that it's 0-3 and a, and a tie. Like, now I can look back and say, okay, that could have been a loss as well. It would have been better if it was a win. But right now the Jags, they're tied for first in the AFC South. They've got a 2-2 two and two record along with the Titans. And uh, – they're both 1-0 and in the division, so you know the Titans are probably going to be cheering for the Texans to win this one. I would think probably right. You're probably right yeah. about that. And Frank Frangie, the voice of the Jags, who I mentioned in the previous segment, 
he still thinks the Titans are probably a lot better than the Jags, or he said better. I don't know about a lot better. The Titans have won two games in a row without giving up any points or without scoring any <laughs> points in the second half. Can you imagine How that? How is that possible? They're playing really tight. The Texans in the second damn half. near made it possible the first, <laughs> uh, two, or the middle two weeks of the season. You know, like yeah. Chicago quarter. and Denver. Yeah, they, they almost, yeah. We thought a scoreless fourth quarter was just something that we couldn't overcome, but a scoreless half? Yeah. That's tremendous. But you got to get out to a sizable lead for that to happen. I guess the biggest thing with the Texans is, is their fourth quarter problem behind them? You know, can they yeah. get through it, score points, execute? And the other thing is, can you execute in the crunch, right? The moment of truth. Last game, you get the turnover on the kickoff return, can't get the ball in the end zone and take the lead. I don't know if it plays out any differently. Maybe the Chargers score anyway. Maybe they win. But I would love to see what would have happened. You really needed that. You really needed that inside the 20 and you're handed a first down. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. Especially with the the supposed momentum that you thought you had at that point. I mean, the Freight place train. is going bananas. You can almost not put it out of reach, but really mm-hmm. swing yeah, it considerably absolutely. in your favor because you were doing really good things on special teams too to make that happen. And then you follow it up after the field goal. You pop him hard again and stop him well shy of the 20-yard line yep. at that point. So your coverage units, like they've been all season long, were excellent. You made you, you had a long field for them to go. And, if and they just, went. Yeah, and they went. But if you stop them on that fourth and two, boy, think about how things are differently then. It would be nice, but also would be nice to not get behind 21 nothing at sure the start would. of the second quarter because it, it was sure looking would. really ugly at one point. Uh, reasons for optimism, I, I love that, Mark, scoring in the fourth quarter because I think we all – Made note of that when they were scoring in the fourth quarter. Also, first touchdown to a wide receiver this year. Drew and I were talking about it on the pregame show. Brandon Cooks hadn't caught a touchdown this year. Neither had Nico Collins or any of the receivers. Nico Collins gets involved more in the downfield passing game. Um, It seemed like that was something that they had struggled with throughout these early games. I wonder if that's also behind them after seeing that they were able to do it. Maybe Damian Pierce's running opened things up for them downfield, or maybe the chemistry just is there now. I don't, whichever way it goes, I hope they can keep that going here in week five. Well, Nico Collins was definitely a, he's, he's my idea for optimism or reason for optimism. 82 receiving yards has the big one there where he was yeah. in stride. I mean, he's, he's looking good and he's got mm-hmm. that nice connection with Davis Mills. You want to see more of it, I think. Uh, not I think, but I know. And if you can get him in tandem with Cooks, boy, with what Pierce is going, going through and doing, this could really open things up as you talk about for this offense and make it so much better. But Collins, he's shown a lot of promise for me, showing a lot of reasons for, for optimism. What did he have? Three catches last week, right? It's a tremendous average. Yeah, the average was great because <laughs> he caught the 58-yarder. So more opportunities for him would be terrific. And it's we talk about this from time to time, how you look at certain receivers around the league and say, well, that receiver needs to step up and do more. Well, Somebody's got to get on the ball, mm-hmm. right? You have to be able to make that connection. And, you know, there were opportunities. And Davis knows that in certain instances, he hasn't put the ball on the mark where it needs to be. And there's a lot that goes into that, maybe pressure in his face, whatever the case may be. He's got to be able to make that connection with Nico. Uh, Brandon Cooks more. That was great to see Brandon have a seven-catch game plus the TD. Got to have more of that. Here's another reason for optimism. Last year, Mills played well here at Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Can you do it again? Mm -hmm. Do you feel comfortable in that building? I know they're going to be going crazy. It's going to be a different scene. That was the first game last year, though, without Urban Meyer. 
So there was a little, I call it a dead cat bounce. That's a financial term when you get that fake spike in a stock when you think it might be going back up, but it's really not. I know it's kind of graphic, horrible imagery. But with the Jaguars, I thought they'd get a little bounce with no Urban Meyer. They really didn't. The Texans took them out Mm. that day. And maybe those surroundings, Mills being back there, is going to make him feel more comfortable. Well, you know, you finally get Tyler Johnson on the field, which is something that the media has asked Lovey Smith about every single week. He wasn't targeted, but you have him and Philip Dorsett. I wonder how those two get involved more in the offense moving forward. Because I find it hard to believe that you're not going to, you're going to have them out there and then not target them. At least Dorsett was targeted twice. Um, I don't think that Tyler Johnson even had a target. And I don't even know if he was. He didn't. Out there he wasn't for much. targeted. He yeah. wasn't targeted at all. But I would imagine that, you know, Maybe he might be a part of the game plan, or they might be a part of the game plan collectively moving forward. But it certainly would be nice to get like a Brevin Jordan out there because he's a really good receiver when he's effective and he's in the game. I don't know what's going to happen with Tyler Johnson because I don't know if they need a different wrinkle, whether it's schematic with Pep Hamilton, whether it's just better execution overall with what you've got. But you need more production. Now, again, they're not the bottom of the league in passing yards, believe me. Like I said earlier, they're not. They threw for 246 last week. But you got to see a better output in terms of early points. Don't fall behind. Complement the ground game and ride it into the finish somehow. All right. I mean, I feel like we got to mention the elephant in the room for reasons for optimism. Damian Pierce getting his best game of the year, 75-yard touchdown run. I mean, the week before we were talking about him putting the ball on the ground, And he got to work. He got to work all week, talked about it. And, you know, he went out and had the best game yet. So hopefully he can keep that going. He returns to Florida where he played college ball. That's big. This is a homecoming. Yeah, this is absolutely a homecoming. That might be a, it might be a fun, exciting game for him. You know, I know his, he talked about his mom traveling all the way here from, um, I want to say Georgia. She was, she was in Georgia. He didn't, he didn't grow up in Florida, but shorter trip this week, shorter trip. So she might be able to go out and watch him play in Florida. And, you know, he kept the game ball from last week, so hopefully he has another game ball to give his well, mom this I week. know Mark had a nice conversation with the voice of the Jags, who he's pretty plugged into the college game there, and they have a, a, a certain appreciation for Damian Pierce, don't they, Mark? Absolutely. Uh, he said he was screaming at his TV set last year <laughs> that they weren't giving Damian Pierce the ball enough. A lot of Florida Gator fans feel that way. That's the biggest crossover fan section or fan population with the Jaguars is the Florida Gators because you're not that far away from Gainesville. Uh, A lot of Georgia people coming in. We were talking to Jonathan Grenard about that. Uh, I just think it's it's really cool that he's able to go back there, make them eat their heart out, <laughs> that Damian Pierce is with the Houston Texans and not the Jacksonville Jaguars, that he's in the division to haunt you for years. That's the hope anyway. All right, another reason for optimism. Special teams, I know Drew wrote about it last week. I feel like we could write a special team story every single week. I actually am going to write about MJ Stewart uh, after he was on our show. It should be up sometime tonight as well. But special teams, they rank... Pretty high in punt returns and kickoff returns. They rank 7th in punt returns, tied for 10th in kickoff returns. They're averaging 23 yards on the kickoff returns. But just a phenomenal job under Frank Ross uh, on a a part of the team that was struggled for many, many years, as we talked about with, with MJ. And the fact that he was able to do what he was able to do in the last two weeks, first down on, fake, on the fake punt on 4th and 1, and then to knock the ball out of DeAndre Carter's hands for two really big special teams plays in back-to-back weeks. I feel like Frank Ross has got that unit going. It's only a matter of time before they actually score a touchdown of their own. Oh, yeah. I think uh, it's coming. They'll find the end zone. They'll the get return, more takeaways. Something. Uh, they are a fired-up bunch. I love the way he has them with their own branded identity. Look, the 
Brad Seeley factor was pretty strong here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he definitely lifted up the play of the special teams. There's no doubt about it. But then they dip down again, and now they're back. Frank has a lot of good players to work with here who take pride in it, and he's gotten them to buy in. When we had MJ Stewart in the player show an hour ago, I find it interesting. You have a guy here who played in a playoff game with the Cleveland Browns and picked off Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. and you know he's thinking his career should be as a starting defensive back, and it's not there, but he's a reserve defensive back who shines on special teams. And I'm not in the room, obviously, with Frank and those guys, but I bet Frank has them believing, look, this is monumentally important. They know that. And you can impact the game. You can affect the game with us here, with this group. And I, I love how he coaches them. I love the vibe of that whole, you know, all those units because it's more than one. It's kick coverage, punt coverage, punt team, kick team, all of that. Yeah, you talk about affecting the game. Stewart, he did that each of the last two weeks, like you're talking yep. about with the fake punt and the fumble. But he came into the Chicago game leading the special teams units and tackles. Mm-hmm. He's added more each time. I mean, in each of these last two weeks, he's been phenomenal, a very quiet under-the-radar, excellent signing this offseason for the Texans. He's been outstanding. Yeah, he really has, and he's a good guy to have on the show, too. He's great. I, I love what it. he said about Frank, how he said we're just in sync. I want to think. What did he say? I want to I think. I want to make the same decisions as Frank Ross. What would Frank do? Yeah, the so, what would Frank do thing was Frank strong. <laughs> I think about that myself sometimes. Yeah, Actually, right? I don't, but I should probably. No, we, need, we need like eight more cups of coffee to yes. be as energetic as Frank, and we're pretty energetic people. All right, let's take a break. we got one final segment of Texans All Access. We're going to go around the NFL. Some big news in the AFC South. Wait, more divorce talk? No, it's in the AFC South. No divorces. Mm. That we know about. But big news that we know about. It's all coming up. Texans All Access. Don't go anywhere. One final segment of Texans All Access. We go around the NFL. The Colts have a short week, which is not a big deal, you guys, normally, because they're going to be in Denver for Thursday Night Football, except Jonathan Taylor has an ankle injury that could keep him out of the game. So Frank Reich spoke to the media he said the team hasn't decided whether or not he can play, but the team's hopeful he'll be a bit, be available. But you guys know how short weeks go. Oh, yeah. With ankle injury. No, there's mm-hmm. no way. I, I rule him out. Dr. Vandermeer says <laughs> Taylor should take the rest of the Just year rest off. Him. Yeah. So should Derek Henry. Those guys. And James Robinson, too. Just take the rest of the year off. So that means Philip Lindsay, huh? Is that where you're going with this? No, Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines. Okay. Yeah. But isn't yeah. Philip Lindsay a possibility for the Colts? I, is is he, he, he might is, be practice squad. Is he still on that team? I thought he got waved or something. I Hang mean, on I, a second. I always think of Hines as No, he is backup. with the Colts. You're right. Going back to Denver. Active roster. Oh. No. Oh. The Broncos were saying how they'd love to have him on the team. Yeah. Lindsay? Philip Lindsay was trending was on Sunday night on Twitter because, I guess, the, the fumbles and the Broncos game and... Philip Lindsay, strangely enough, has never fumbled in his career. So yeah, they were uh, they were pining for Philip Lindsay. Sometimes well, I just they also had understand. an injury at running back, so yep. I think that probably had something mm-hmm. to do with it as well. So, do you know Taylor's never missed a game due to injury at any level of football? Wow, I saw I read the stat. I was like, that is that's pretty impressive. But There's he's got a pretty always nice a streak first going. Time. <laughs> Doctor Vandermeer says, and then this headline made me laugh on Pro Football Talk. The headline simply reads: Jerry Jones colon. Dak Prescott can't grip the ball well enough to play. Yeah. I mean, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how Jerry Jones said Dak Prescott will be back in the game in no time and he can play what, with, uh, he's not going to have to even go on IR. He went on IR actually that week. But now they're doing pretty well with Cooper Rush. So, yeah. Cooper, no rush. Cooper Rush is back. the Willie Beeman in this situation to hearken back to any given Sunday when Dennis Quaid is ready to come back and they're like, ah, take your time, take your time <laughs> because Cooper Rush is winning for them. 
But as soon as he loses one game, it's going to be, let's go back to deck. Yeah. Let's go. But as, as long as the hot streak remains in place, they're going to want some Cooper Rush. You know, the guy's got some juice. It's not like he's awesome, but they just win with him. Right. He's got the X factor. But maybe the other guys just sort of step it up for him, too, knowing he's the backup quarterback. Like sure. We've seen it over the years. You get a backup come in the game. Everyone just plays a little bit harder yeah. because you know you have to. You just. But where is that in regular situations? I mean, it, this, sh- it should be there. But This fascinates me about sports. When people sort of invent this script to get upset about, like, oh, so-and-so disrespected me. No, I didn't. Uh, but you're making it up in a way. Some of the great ones, Jordan used to do that. They, they kind of make up mm. a scenario mm. to get them all riled up because it gets the adrenaline flowing, and that does give you extra juice and extra energy. Yeah, you just brought up Steam and Willie Beeman and yeah. in the movie uh, any given Sunday, he had gone to the University of Houston. So, does Did that he really? Make, I forgot about that. So that makes him. He's got to be the second greatest U of H quarterback of all time. Behind Andre, Andre, then Stephen Willie. Well, Beeman. where does Keenum fit Keenum in? Third? He's got to be behind because Stephen Willie Beeman went on to the big contract right wow. after that, and presumably right. a phenomenal career. Keenum so. played a long. Has still in the league. Yes, not really playing, but participating. No, and I'm not. This is no slight towards mm-hmm. Case, but I think if it goes out the way it. It projects. It's Andre, Willie Beeman, and Keenum. I think so. And then Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll stop there. Klingler. We're just, we're just ranking. Poor David Klingler. We're ranking Stratford actual Jones. quarterbacks with fictional quarterbacks. You know yeah. David Klingler was in a rotation his senior year at Stratford before he came to the University of Houston? They went all the way to the state finals. Andre ran the option at yeah. Dickinson. Okay, wow. Comes wow. in and is the greatest passing quarterback of his time. So mm-hmm. it, you just never know how it's going to play out. Uh, they'll both credit. Uh, John Jenkins for mm-hmm. that wild and crazy offense the run and shoot. that they got so much yardage with and uh, beat some good teams. Man, a lot of people forget that UH then, when Andre played, I mean, they were playing the Longhorns, Arkansas, Aggies. They were playing the big schools, and they did well. They mm-hmm. were in the Southwest Conference. It was huge. That conference broke up. Boy, I'd love to see that conference get back together. All right, well, Not going to happen. I was going to say, let's keep it on quarterbacks. The Steelers named Kenny Pickett. They're starting quarterback. Not a big surprise, but you knew it was going to happen eventually. So Hello, no Buffalo. Picket era has begun in Pittsburgh. And, yeah, first first up, Buffalo Bills. Awesome. That's just a fantastic way That's to do it. It's almost there. a year to the day after Davis Mills got his one of his first starts. And it was in – or first road starts, which was in Buffalo. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for reminding so me about luck. that. That was in the rainstorm. Good luck, Kenny. Yeah. yeah. Great I mean, that day. Was, but he was a rookie. But yeah, it was it was not it was not a, a great it was not Parallels. a great place to throw your rookie. But I don't know if there is, is there a good is there is there a week where you'd be like, oh, this might be an easier team to beat. I, no. I just feel like it's always going to be hard. The NFL is always the hard. Always, yeah. You know, oh, you go to Chicago, that should be easy. Good luck with that. Tell that to the 49ers who lost on opening day in the rain, right? And they looked pretty good last night, by the way. I was watching that game mm. because I was rooting against the Rams. I kind of like McVay a little bit, but I don't like the Rams. It's hard to explain. It's just one of those things. But I have very interesting rooting interests, and it's not just who I'm rooting for. It's usually who I'm rooting against. So you're you rooting have that? against McVay, or were you rooting for D'Amico Ryan? I was actually, yes, very much rooting like you for, D'Amico. for D'Amico. He was getting some head coaching Pub a lot of love. Night. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he could have had a gig, and they were talking about that last night. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't paying full one hundred percent attention to the announcers because who would do that? But they were talking about how he felt like he needed one more year to really grip that defensive coordinator role. And because it's the least it, surprising news of all time. That guy's 
definitely going to be a head coach. He's smart. He's going to be good. I, you, you know, we've always liked yep. him. I think he'll be a good head coach. He'll get a job this offseason. They'll be good on defense all year long. They were stymieing mm. the Rams last night. And a pick six. They could have had two pick sixes last night. There was one dropped late. How about Jimmy G? Like, his entire offseason was completely up in the air. Is he going to get traded? Where is he going to go? There were rumors that he might even come here. And then now he's their starting quarterback. It's almost like they knew that was going to happen, and they kept him on the roster, and it all worked out perfectly. You know what he does well? I mean, minus well, for Trey, if your name is Trey Lance. They have they got a short passing game that he executes very well. Mm-hmm. And since they run the ball well, you know, they're going to have some opportunities that way. But he hits guys in stride. He's got that short game accuracy that's so crucial in their offense. He doesn't always hit the deep ball. He makes mistakes. He'll make a throw that'll make you say, what? But he's good. I mean, he's gotten far. When he's healthy, they do well, period. Well, that's a big that's a big if yeah. when he's healthy. That's mm-hmm. I think that thing that's really bewildered others, bewildered, bewitched, bewitched bewildered, befuddled. Huh? There's an old song that's way before my time, so that means it's really old. Bewitched, bewildered, and something. I don't <laughs> that's know. not where I was going with it. I know, but I was trying <laughs> to help Evaded him. You. It's evaded him. A healthy season has evaded him. He's not been able to have a healthy season so far. So, uh, Bewitched, we'll see what... bothered, and bewildered oh. by Ella Fitzgerald. Boom. Okay, I right. did not even know that I Kids, Ella Fitzgerald was a great singer. Next topic. <laughs> Next topic, Texans matchup with John Harris. I almost called it Texans replay, but I did it. It's Texans matchup. He looks ahead to this Jaguars game, looks back a little bit as well, and uh, that's all coming up with Johnny Harris. You don't want to miss it, but that's going to do it for Texans All Access. Guys, thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Thank you DP. Hopefully next week we come back and we talk about a win. How I like that? that idea. That's my plan. All right, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Go Texans.